Hi, welcome to the Seattle Mama Doc podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on today with Dr. James McKeever. Greetings. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for joining me. Dr. McKeever is um, a pediatric psychologist and neuropsychologist who's been interested in the needs of children and family and their health conditions. He trained in child psychology and family therapy and works with kids all over the hospital and with the clinicians who care for them to really advocate for kind of how a child fits into the milieu of their life and how their feelings do. And um, we're here to talk about the science behind resiliency, um, kind of how we're born, how we're bred, and what we do when things go wrong. <laughs> so, um, you know, let's start at the very, what, what, is, what is resiliency? You know, resiliency is the ability to adapt well in the face of adversity or trauma or tragedy or other significant sources of stress. They can be uh, indi- a single thing, like in a, you've been attacked or you've been in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, it can be ongoing things like poverty and living in violent, vi- violent environments um, or families that aren't functioning well. Uh, but it's the ability to manage your reactions to that and develop ways to cope with that and move forward rather than hold it, have, you, have it hold you back. Yeah. Well, and the, the reality is every human life will face adversity. Everyone will, and everyone experiences some degree of difficulty or stress as they move through their life. You can't avoid that. Yeah. I, I feel like I can't say that enough. I mean, I think there's an illusion sometimes that – Things are easier over there. Now, sometimes things are easier over there, right? Mm-hmm. Some of us have a lot more adversity than others. Some do. Growing up poor, growing up, I mean, when we think about all that we're learning about ACEs, the adverse child event, right, and, and the ultimate impact on child health and well-being and adult health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, but that resiliency, resilience and resiliency, right, is we ha- all of us have it. We have it to some degree, but it is also a way of being in the world that we can learn and that families can learn. It's not something we just suddenly have in our lap and that's all we have to deal with. We can actually (laughs) add to it. We can become better at it. Like any bunch of skills, we can make ourselves stronger. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this just before we started recording. I mean, in my mind, some people are born more resilient than others. I think there's truth in that. I think some people are born more sensitive than others, so things mm-hmm. affect them more strongly, yeah. and so they can become overwhelmed more easily. Uh-huh. Uh, people are also born with different capabilities and uh-huh. skills and strengths. But everybody's born with some degree of strength in some yeah. area yeah, yeah. that we want to parlay up. Yeah. Um, but our lives also affect us as we grow up. So with, like, adverse childhood experiences, we know that, the, that just the number of adverse experiences you have as you get older have a negative impact on you. Just count them up. And if they're five, it's worse than two. If there's ten, it's worse than five. Does it change your brain? I mean, if you're growing and you're exposed over and over to adverse events— Yes. Just a bad luck, basically. Yeah. Changes your brain, right? I mean, yeah. kind of how your brain thinks and learns and wires itself and responds. Yeah. If it's, and especially if it's very traumatic. Yeah. So your whole stress response system goes basically haywire. They're, they've done neuroimaging studies that show different wiring, basically, in your yeah. brain when you've been through that. Uh, so you react more strongly and are overwhelmed more easily in the face of new stress. Right. 
So that takes us to, okay, we're born a bit differently, potentially, right? We're, we're either really sensitive. I mean, there are all these different kind of spectrums, right? Mm-hmm. From resiliency to sensitivity to emotional ability, even meaning kind of how you fluctuate between emotions or something. Then how we're bred, kind of what, how we're nurtured, mm-hmm. what models we have, right? That changes our resiliency too. What's the science in that? Well, it starts, you know, at birth with mm-hmm. how you, a mother or father soothes the baby. Mm-hmm. That's teaching the baby something. Mm-hmm. Uh, when kids are two and three, we're teaching them how to use their words. Uh-huh. Right? More than their bodies, usually, <laughs> yeah. to communicate things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they, don't, they don't have to bite the kid at the daycare. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so um, if we, as parents and families, give kids a sense of security, a sense of being able to soothe themselves and be soothed by others, they become more resilient. Physiologically, they do. Mm-hmm. If instead we don't attend to that aspect of their being, they don't know how to do it. They don't learn. Mm-hmm. And they don't expect the world will help them. Yeah, yuck. Yeah, who would want to live like that? Yeah, yuck, yeah. And so when we have a kid that gets hit by something like a major medical illness that suddenly overwhelms the family and them, we want to consciously think about how can we help coping? How can we help them cope what, how can we help the family cope? Mm-hmm. Because what the family does with the child will determine how they feel and may even help them in terms of managing their illness over time. Okay. So let's talk about that and what you know about that. So, Because I think it's, it's funny. All of us who work in pediatrics, there will be people throughout our lifetimes will say, I just can't believe you can do that. I don't know how you could work with sick kids. Or it, It's almost too scary to people mm-hmm. to think about facing uh, trauma in childhood, let alone chronic or even terminal illness in childhood. So what do you, what is, what have you learned in your work and in your profession and in your expertise? How can you guide it? Like, what do you do then to nurture and bolster resiliency in the face of uncontrollable kind of tragedy, which is chronic illness or terminal illness? So there are two sides to this. One is that we know that kids who have one dependable, supportive adult in their life Whoever that may be, do better. One. One. You just that can need be you. one. That can be you. It's like a call for big brothers, big sisters. But like, really? Yes. No, it could be you, right? Any, mm-hmm. yeah. One reliable, use the words again. Supportive. One. Supportive, yeah. Who, who understands what you're going through and helps you with it. I love that, yeah. Just one. They do better. They do better. We know that there are things that families can do to grow resilience in their child when they're facing something. One is to validate the pain and the suffering that they feel, Mm -hmm. but to do that in a way that maintains a sense of hope, Hmm. a sense of future, and a sense of self-efficacy, that there are things, even small things, that Hmm. they can do on a day-to-day basis to feel like they're in more control of their life and they can make an outcome that's a bit better for them. I love that. So simultaneously validating while positioning the validation that there are ways to feel better today and there are ways to feel better in the future so yeah. that, this, that, that, that there's light. There's light. Yeah. That um, there is hope, there is light, and that as a family there's this culture of optimism around that. We will work together on this to make it better. Yeah. You're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. This feeling belongs. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I always come, I, I reduce this stuff always to this kind of lack of a sense of belonging, a feeling not belonging, um, you know, a person not belonging in society. You know, we were talking about self-harm in a different podcast and, you know, the risks of LGBTQ teens and things that they don't kind of, that anguish and things. But, okay, so, so kids do better when they have one really supported and dedicated adult. Mm-hmm. Um, Kids then do further better when we validate their kind of anguish of whatever it is, pain, suffering, fear, Mm -hmm. at the same time that we kind of position it in hope. Give us some examples. What are some examples in your work of how someone's done that? It can be it can be little things like just asking them what they would prefer to do for a choice for dinner. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can also be things like um, how do you feel about what happened today? they had a procedure or something like that. So you want to talk not only about what happens, but how they feel about what happens. Uh, And to make it safe for them so that whatever they want to say, they can say to you. That's to validate that feeling, right? I mean... Mm -hmm. And so they're not stuck with it all by their lonesome. Uh Yeah, again, sorry. Back to that pairing, right? They they are with somebody in the world Mm -hmm. in... The disease or mm-hmm. uh, or suffering, and you know we use we use our family culture and our culture around us, whether that be religious or otherwise, mm-hmm. to give meaning to the experience. And so, families that find meaning in having an ill child and what they're doing to help that child, uh, that's very valuable to the child and to them, and they cope better. Yeah, meaning making. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were building an app at Children's um, to help nurture and nudge kids based on some curriculum they have used around, you know, finding gratitude, Mm -hmm. meaning making, meaning looking around and saying, what is good here? Mm -hmm. Let's remind myself. It's Mm -hmm. almost like put the mirror up and say like, oh, you know, it's pretty good. It's like I remember I was was traveling recently and kind of having a crummy day and I was going through TSA and I said, how are you doing? And he said, well, I woke up today. I was like, I mean, there's that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Here we are. I was at O'Hare. And I remember being like, yeah, that's one perspective. Like, that drills it down, right? That's meaning-making. That's basic. You got to get there. <laughs> I am alive. <laughs> and today I feel grateful for that, you know, that, mm-hmm. and kind of gratitude-seeking and things. Um, what are other—so give me another example. Like, what, is, what else do families do um, to nurture or bolster resiliency in their kids or in themselves? It, it also helps for when families find a larger purpose in life. So we've mm-hmm. seen families with quite ill children who have— taken their experiences and gone off to help other families. Sometimes that's just to make contact with a new family who doesn't know what they're going to be going through. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they actually uh, start to do almost business operations to help other families, uh, to provide them with things that would be useful to them as they struggle with the medical problems that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you, you you gain meaning in your life from the struggles you go through and from the uh, hopes that you put into it. And so families that find a way to use this in a positive sense, even if it's painful, even if they lose their child, but they can find a way to use that and move forward and make the world and their lives a better place, they do better. Yeah. I, I, like, I do like that, that you're saying, that, that meaning-making in that way of saying, even in the face of horror, um, when we parlay it, to make it better for other people, mm-hmm. right? We can feel so much better ourselves. The other thing is to keep things in perspective, mm-hmm. you know, that, yeah, this bad thing just happened, and let's go for a walk. 
Yeah, the sun's out. The sun's out. Or actually around here it's not, but yeah. <laughs> but, but like other places it is. <laughs> yeah. We have many kids yeah. here who love the rain, so it's okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not one of those kids <laughs> <laughs> by definition in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, so th- that thing, I mean, I'd love to drill through. You, you'd pre-written some tips, you know, even like accepting that change and challenge are part of living. I mean, that's part of that perspective, right, of mm-hmm. hardship and adversity is going to be a part of everybody's life. Mm-hmm. Some people get doled up so much more of it. There's no question. Um, and yeah. yet how we respond to it is in our control in ways. Right. And and when we're having to deal with it, we want to build supports around ourselves. So that means supports for the family, whether that be church or best friends or extended family. But it's also a family that holds to its routines, uh, its rituals, mm-hmm. um, that uh, there's open discussion of, yes, we have to shift because our child's in the hospital, mm-hmm. but this is the way we're going to do it, and we're still going to have our reading time every night mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Yeah. We're still going to have Thanksgiving together. Yep. Yeah, I've done, I've done Thanksgiving in a hospital room before. It's lovely. One of my favorite Thanksgivings of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a pop up Thanksgiving in hospital room, um, and then you you also talk about setting reasonable goals and and nurturing a kind of positive self review. Talk talk about that. So for children and for us, I guess that if we set goals that are too high, we fail mm-hmm. and we feel bad. So helping a child set reasonable goals that they can meet today. Uh, makes them feel like they have a sense of self-efficacy, that they can make things happen in a good way in their life. If they can't do 20 math problems, can they do two? Uh-huh. And they say, those are great. Well, yeah. Let's try another couple. Yeah, right. All right. And you don't want to push that too far maybe, but yeah. you want the kid to have a sense that they are in control, that they can do things, and that people will reward them and love them for what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it all. I mean, I think, you know, the science behind resiliency here is we're born a certain way. We have, from the very beginning, we as parents have control over showing and demonstrating that when you, when someone, your child, or you yourself cries out for help, someone will help you mm-hmm. and hear you. And that that dynamic of asking for help and it being seen, heard, validated, and cared for in mid the context of non-loneliness, right, of someone else is here, your family, your structure, um, can kind of guide and nudge improved skills around resiliency. Yeah, and as we develop those skills, as we are more resilient, as we learn how to cope better, we feel better because we know how to make our lives go better. Yay, hallelujah. Love it. Um, The reality is parenting is a high-stakes job, and the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at seattlemamadoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 